0: Welcome all of you across the network, you picked a great weekend to be here. This is a free-to-live weekend, which is our baptism expression, so all through the course of the weekend we're celebrating new life in Jesus by witnessing believer baptisms. We're also wrapping up our Worth It series, and it's been worth it, because God has been moving powerfully in the conversations we've been having. But I want to welcome our guests with us. Again, this is a great time to be here because you get a sense of who we are, what we value, and even what God's doing in our spaces. We're we're not perfect, uh, but we do love Jesus, and we're deeply devoted to pursuing Him and making Him known. So I encourage you to lean into just getting to know who we are. Part of who we are allows us to desire Jesus so much that, that we ask the question about, is it worth it? I mean, the reality of this series is we all ask the question, is it worth it? Our, our time, attention, or resources, whether it's from friendship to finances, we ask the question is it worth it on a daily basis, and we don't always know if it is. We, we make our best guess sometimes, and, and the reality is often only after the fact are we left with this sense of feeling like that's, I only know based on how it all turns out. But there's actually more for us to understand about what's worth it, and we can know ahead of time if we understand the right frame of reference. We have the right frame of reference, we can figure out if it's worth it beforehand. Without it, we end up struggling to know if it's worth it, which most people do, and we're left just with the results of what happened. With that in mind, let me just start this weekend though with a worth it quiz, all right? Just a worth it quiz. Just for fun. I wanna, here's what I want you to do. I, I want to show you a picture. and I want you to decide, Bettendorf, Kiwani, guys, get in on this. Decide if it's worth it. All right? So here's the first one. It's going to be fun. Just do this with me. Here's the first one. Here is a guy who is wanting to make the most of where that golf ball landed next to that water hazard, and he's positioned himself precariously on the edge of the water hazard to see if, it's, if he can make the most of that land. Is it going to be worth it? <laughs> you don't think so? All right, take a look. Here's what happens. Oh, dude goes down! Is it worth it? Well, it all depends on where the ball went? I mean, he hit it, it's gone. Golfers are like, yeah, it depends on where the ball landed. Is it worth it? Here's another picture. Okay, This cat, I don't know how he got there, but he is on top of the door and he is about to pounce on this balloon that's just resting on the ceiling. Is it going to be worth it? I don't know, but here's the thing. This is an epic failure in three, two, one. I'm not showing you the picture. Every time I show something about cats that isn't positive, you all like moan. So I'm not even going to show you that one. Is it worth it? I mean, is it worth it in how we interact with family and friends? Here's one. Is it worth taking the electronics away from the kids? Is it worth it? Is it like, yes. Is it worth making them eat their vegetables? Is it worth it? Here's one that'll probably hit nearly everybody in all of our locations. Is it worth it to text while driving? No, that is your public service announcement, people. It is not worth it. It is not worth it. Look, every day we make decisions about what's worth it. And often we don't always know if it is or not. Without a better frame of reference than just how it turns out, we struggle to make sense of whether it's worth it or not. But often that's what we're left with. We're left with really how did it land? What, did, what was the outcome? And, and we measure that. We use the cost-benefit analysis thing to say, was that investment really worth it? We do pro-cons about that dynamic, but the truth is that's not God's measurement. When God looks at the things of life, he invites us into a very different way of looking at it. One that isn't dependent upon cost-benefit analysis. One that, that, is, not, that is not based in outcomes alone. It, it's based in inherent worth and value. And when, when he sees things, he sees things that are worth it apart from how easy or difficult things are. Apart from whether it went well or not. And he calls us to live a grand adventure with him that is worth it that's worth it, no matter what the cost, no matter what the hardship might be, it's worth it. And this conversation that we've been having over the last two weeks and wrapping up today is really been about positioning us to remain in worth it spaces, to, to be in the space where we know whether it's worth it or not beforehand. Even during the dynamic, when we understand what God considers to be worth it, we can understand what's worth it and how we live each day. So, we've been doing that by looking specifically at a very significant interaction between Jesus and a rich young man. And, and in this dynamic, we know that, that he's, he's a young guy, he's a religious leader, and he had great wealth. And we actually find this story of this man interacting with Jesus in three of the four gospels. We find it in Matthew, in Mark, and in Luke. And We already saw a couple things as we looked at it in Mark and Luke last week. But I want to revisit two of those realities. The first is that how we live now determines how we live next. So it matters what we do now. It determines how we live next. What we do in this life has a ripple into the next life. Beyond that, doing the right thing for the right reasons with the right resources, that's always worth it. But God is the one, Jesus is the one who wants to define what those right things are, what those right resources are, and and what those right reasons are. But when we live that way, it's always worth it. Now, along, this way, along the way in this journey of the series, we invited the church family to just take some pictures of things that God considers worth it in life, and you've, you've done that and you've posted them up on Facebook and, and Instagram and Twitter. Thanks so much for doing that. I've gotten several emails of people sending me their worth it pictures. We've been sharing them before and after services. Thank you for doing that. I want you to understand, you can still do it if you haven't yet done it, but the reality is this isn't about taking pictures alone. This is about recognizing and knowing what's worth it and declaring it. And so you can keep doing that even well after this series to understand what's worth it in life and to chase those things with fervor and passion out of a love for God and a love for other people. But we're going to be wrapping up the series this weekend. And I want to go back again one last time to that interaction between the rich young man and Jesus to glean a few more insights about what is taking place there and how we can actually live a life that is worth it. This rich young man who is unnamed, we we don't know his name, we don't actually know a whole lot about him at all. We know that he's young, we know that he was a religious leader, we know that he was wealthy, and we know know he had some spiritual dynamic in his life. But the reality is, he came to Jesus asking a question about eternal life. He came to Jesus to find out what was worth it in life. And he interacted with him in a manner that allowed him to have an opportunity for something more. But he, he makes a decision of whether it's worth it or not, and it has an impact. So let me just read through what Matthew wrote about this, and then we can talk a little bit further. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones, the man asked. And Jesus replied, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, honor your father and mother, mother, love your neighbor as yourself. I've obeyed all those commandments, the young man replied, what else must I do? Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, the actual word there is to be complete, to be whole. If you want to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, He went away sad, for he had many possessions. Okay, we've looked at this passage from the two other Gospels. We're looking now at this last explanation as Matthew has captured it. But I want to again frame what happens in this space. See, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem for the very last time. He's approaching that crucifixion moment. He's approaching that final accomplishment of his mission. And he's on his way with the disciples. He's teaching his disciples what's worth it when this guy runs up, kneels before him, and asks him the question about eternal life. He starts out well, but along the way he gets a little sideways in the interaction. Jesus responds, pushes on the good piece, talks about commands, and then ultimately he asks the guy to go sell his stuff, give it to the poor, and then come follow him. It's ultimately not about rules, but about relationship. And in the end he walks away sad because he decided that what Jesus said was not worth it. Now, it may seem really weird, even silly for us, that this dude who sought out Jesus, who asked the question, who ran up to him, who knelt before him, would ultimately then do cost-benefit analysis and walk away saying, I don't think it's worth it. But the truth is, we all have a tendency to do that. We look at scenarios, we look at things that are happening to us and around us, and we start to do cost-benefit analysis, and we back away from the calling God has on our life because we don't want to deal with the complexity that's, that's around it. See, even though the guy knew he was missing something, it's why he went to Jesus, that's why Jesus said, you got one thing you lack. You want to be perfect, you want to be complete, you want to be whole. But he didn't want to let go of what he had. He, he chose what was over what could be. He chose to lay tightly a hold of what he already possessed rather than what he could receive. And in the end, when it comes to following Jesus, the rubber meets the road of whether we're going to do what Jesus says or not. We can believe in him. We can seek him out. But in the end, (laughs) rubber meets the road of whether we do what he says or not. And I'll tell you, it is always worth it to do whatever Jesus says. It is always worth it. The truth is many people know they're missing something. Many of us even just believe Jesus can help us with that and we'll go to Jesus and and gather in in spaces like this in a a weekend with a church service and gather in moments where you can pray with others or or pray on your own, but end up in the end reverting to cost-benefit analysis when they hear what Jesus has to say. When he says, here's what it means to follow me. Here's what I want you to give up. We can say we trust Jesus, we can even say we believe in him, but in the end, the question comes down to whether we do what he says or not, whether we follow his instructions or not, whether we do what he asks the way he asks it with what he asks. That was the opportunity before the rich young man to do the right thing for the right reasons with the right resources, but he didn't, and it's hugely important Because fundamentally, this takes us to the first fill-in. You and I, we are created by God for God. You and I, me, you, everybody listening in across our network, you are created by God for God. For His purpose, for His glory, His pleasure, His plans. You are created by God for God and even created in His image. You're created in the image of a holy God. Holy God. Look at somebody next to you and say, you're an image bearer. Just say, you're an image bearer. You don't have to know him. Just look at him, give him the You're an image bearer. Listen, you are someone created by God for God. You're an image bearer of the king. And he has specifically positioned you to engage in things for his glory and for his purpose. And as image bearers, our inherent worth is multiplied in our stewardship. But God gets to decide what that stewardship is. He gets to decide the investments of what we engage in. Because we're created by him and for him. So he gets to decide Check out Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good what? Good works. We are created by God for God to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So there's this relationship of God preparing and us responding. God's creating, he's positioning us for his purpose, he is preparing those moments and we are to respond and step into those moments as well. You and I were created for purpose. God has very specific things in mind for you and I to do, and those things are always worth it. Always worth it. The question comes, how do we know what those things are? How do we know those specific things for our lives? When We, we can ultimately feel like that rich young man where we want to go to Jesus. We want to say, hey, tell me what to do. Tell me how to do it. Tell me where to go. And that's good, but in the end, we ultimately are deciding out of those legitimate questions, are we going to do what he says? And quite honestly, much of what Jesus asked us to do is already explained in the Scriptures, already explained in the Bible, how to live, what things are worth it, what's not worth it. And He gives us the Holy Spirit to lead us in that process to know when we're drifting left or right. Just consider the words of Micah, uh, we're out of Micah 6.8. He says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Th- this is really good. It's helpful. But again, the question for me is, how do we do that? <laughs> what are the practical expressions of how we do that? Because spiritual maturity, the, the, close prox- the closeness and proximity of our relationship to Jesus, the intimacy of that relationship, is reflected in how we do this. And I think it's actually reflected in how we steward three things— how we steward our time, how we steward our talent, and how we steward our treasure. I believe those three things articulate and reveal whether or not we are living under the lordship and authority of Jesus or drifting. Ultimately, it's time, talent, and treasure. When Jesus spoke with that rich young man, what he directed him to do actually connects to that scripture. It connects to time, talent, and treasure. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. As he instructed that man to sell, to give, and to follow, that was about managing time, talent, and treasure. But the rich young man chose to manage his possessions his way, instead of the way that Jesus was calling him to manage it. But I want to take a deeper look and a closer look at this interaction for what it means for us today. So, hopefully to see how we can know what's worth it beforehand. Because we are created by God for God. That's, it's just inherent fact. And we are image bearers of the king. But if this is true, then how we spend our time matters. If we are created by God and for God, then how we spend our time matters. What we do each day matters. How we use our time publicly and privately, it matters. And if we're not careful, we can find ourselves investing in things that are not worth it. We can find ourselves investing too much time in things that don't deserve that much time. Here, here's one example. Uh, many of you, like me, have a phone like this that serves as your calendar, and your alarm clock, and your stereo, and your flashlight, and your to-do list, and your Bible, and your Bible resources, and your devotional, and, and a phone, and you can call people. It's how you text and communicate with family and friends, and, and it's, a, it's a mapping system, and it's a workout resource. It's a, it's a time, talent, treasure, medium. This is mine, and a week ago Friday it quit working while I was in Chicago. (laughs) Fortunately Beth had her phone and it still worked, however, I, I tried, I tried a whole bunch of things to get it to work and I spent a week without my phone. It was best of times, worst of times, people. Worst of times because I didn't know where I was supposed to be, when I was supposed to be there, how to get there, and people couldn't get a hold of me, but it was best of times because people couldn't get a hold of me. (laughs) But here's the thing, what happened, in this this week-long journey, I ended up using my time differently. And I I began to look at how others were using their time, even with their phone, because I didn't have my phone. (laughs) It was obvious when they would pull it out and I couldn't. You know, I actually was talking to a friend this week and he he said, he reminded me of this reality. He said, we are neither as needy or as needed as we think. Now, that's not a dig. It's a reminder. And it was a good reminder for me as I detoxed from my quasi-phone addiction. Yes, people, I said detox from a phone addiction. Don't judge me. Some of you out there have the same problem, and you need some intervention. You're getting elbowed right now by the person sitting next to you. Listen, in that dynamic, on a more serious note about this, we're, we're not as needy or as needed as we think, but we're worth it. And God declares that over and over and over again. There's two of the biggest ways he declares that we're worth it, is by creating us and giving us life. And the second is sending his son Jesus to die for us so we can have a relationship with him again. It may not be as needy or needed as we think, but we are worth it. And you are worth it. Jesus declares you're worth it. It's, it's his love that compelled the whole thing to happen the way it did. And it's why we each week take time to pause and invite those who do not have a relationship with God to lean into that. And if that's something for you today, like, man, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, I kind of go to Him once in a while to pray, I may even kneel before Him and ask Him some questions, but I've never really stepped into doing what He's asked me to do. I've never invited Him to be the Lord and Savior of my life, to sit on the throne of my life. If that's you, I invite you to do it today, I pray you do it today. The note guide that you received on the way in lays out some steps, admit that you, like everyone else, are in need of rescue, ask God to forgive your sins, and then say yes to God by trusting Jesus as Savior and Lord. Then there's a prayer that allows you to step into that relationship more fully. I encourage you to do that. It's worth it, because He washes away everything that hasn't been worth it, and He makes us new, and He heals and He restores. He's worth it. Now, let me come back to why I talked to you about my phone. (laughs) I share about my phone because without it, I could focus on other things. And when Jesus invited the rich young man to go and sell his possessions, it wasn't because Jesus thought possessions were evil. It's because he wanted to position the man to focus on other things. He wanted to position him to follow Jesus. He uses time differently. Because how we spend our time matters. Check out what Paul says in First Corinthians five. He says, "For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died—that's Jesus—for all, and therefore all died, and He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. No longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them and was raised again. Who's Him? Oh, come on now, who's him? Come on now, who's him? Jesus. There you go. Look, we are created by God, for God. Jesus is fully God, fully man. We are created by Jesus, for Jesus. Read John chapter 1 if you want to understand. He was there when you were created. <laughs> Mind blown. But we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for him. And a life that is worth it lives for Jesus. A life that is worth it lives for Jesus. How we spend our time is matter. How, how we spend our time matters. And Jesus was showing the rich young man that reality, but yet he, he chose a life of comfort and he walked away from, from Jesus managing his time so that he could manage his time his own way. How we, how we spend our time actually matters. Okay, so we're created by God for God and how we spend our time matters. If this is true, if how we spend our time matters, then, then this next statement is true. What we do with our talent matters. If we're created by God for God, if how we spend our time matters, then how, what we do with our talent actually matters. Each of us have been given unique personality and gifts and talents and abilities, and, and they're for us to enjoy, but also for His glory. Now, it's not really clear what the rich young man would have done if he would have followed Jesus because each of the 12 disciples had personality and skills and they functioned in that team out of that skill set with opportunities to engage for the kingdom. And this rich young man, if he had followed Jesus, would have done the same thing. But I don't know exactly what he would have done, but he would have had a specific expression. Good works prepared in advance for him to do. But he walked away. What we do with our talent matters. And here's one reason why that's true. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus said, you did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that fruit that will last. Look, we, he chooses us. He says we're worth it. Now, we still have an opportunity and a moment to decide whether we will step into what he chooses for us, but we're positioned to be able to do that. Jesus says he chooses us, And we still have a choice. He came first. He loves us first. He came to save us. And then he sends us out to bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Eternal fruit. What we do with our talents matters. So here's the thing. We were created by God for God. What we do with our talent matters. How we spend our time matters. And if how we spend our time matters, then what we do with our talent matters. And if what we do with our talent matters, then here's the next reality. That where we put our treasure matters created by God and for God. Where we spend our time, what we do with our talents, and where we put our treasure, it all matters. Now, treasure can be money and finances, it can be possessions, it can be relationships, opportunities, influence, authority, there's lots of treasures, but what we treasure matters. Where we put our treasure matters because our heart follows it. It was not created to lead, but to follow. Remember, we are created by God, for God, with a heart designed to follow Him and if it's not following him it's following something else because it is not designed to lead it's designed to follow and our heart follows our treasure if it's not following him the question is what is it actually following Here's what Jesus says about that whole dynamic, and we looked at this early on in the series. He said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It matters, our heart follows our treasure, it follows what we treasure, and the rich young man." treasured his stuff more than Jesus and his stuff ended up with his heart and not Christ. Now some, I, I realize that some people think that, that churches talk too much about money, but based on how much time Jesus spent talking about money, I actually think it's likely we don't talk enough about it because it holds our heart, it, it leads our heart. And as a church here at Heritage, we don't ask for money, we ask for something bigger than that, we ask for faithfulness. We call and invite all of us to to talk to God and do what he says, to sit before him and just talk with him and do what he says, because that's worth it. That's worth it. And there's really only one thing that God has ever said, test me in, and it's in the area of management of finances. In all of scripture, he says, test me in one thing, and it's in the area of finances. Here's what it says, and this is not in your note guide, it's just up here. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Uh, Now tithe means tenth. It's the first idea of first fruits. It's taking that first tenth of whatever we receive and giving it back to God. Br- Bringing all the tithes into the storehouse. The, the tithe is actually something that is returned. It, it doesn't belong to us, it belongs to God. So the first tenth, the first fruits of what we bring in is to be returned to God. So if I make $10, which of the $10 is my tithe? The first one. So we bring in all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. That's significant, people. That's huge. God says, test me in this. It's not a test for punishment. It's a test in obedience and faithfulness. He says, look, if you do this, I will respond. That's hugely significant. Where we put our treasure matters. Now, something I want you to see and understand in this is that tithing is not giving. Tithing is returning. Tithing is, is returning to God what actually belongs to him. And right before this passage, God says, look, he says to Israel, you're robbing me because you're not giving the tithe. You're not returning to me what is mine. That, like, that's not a good thing. Tithing is not giving, it's returning. Giving starts after we return the tithe. And it's important, it's a big deal. The invitation that God gives us is to step in in faithfulness and to return to Him what is His. And He says, Do what I say, and then watch what I do. It's too important. Where our treasure is, where we put our treasure, actually matters now i am so grateful for those of you who who are consistently living into this man i i can't we could not be chasing the things that god has put before us without your faithfulness to give without your willingness to give not only what he says returned, but also to give above and beyond. Thank you for your faithfulness to do that. I just want to share with you something. As we did a comparison of 2016 to 2017, we have seen across the board an increase in the resources God is bringing through your faithfulness. In our vision fund, which is our, our, our tithing location, our general fund, our capital fund, we've seen a 9% increase. In our mission fund, which is all of our missional expressions and our assistance fund, an 11% increase. And total giving overall, last year to the, the 2017, 17, it was 32% increase. That's because of your faithfulness. Thank you for doing it. It allows us to chase the things of God intentionally and faithfully. Absolutely love it. Now, some of you may sit back and go, okay, so we got a bunch of extra money standing around, so we don't need to give anything else. No, no, that's <laughs> not how that works. God gives what we need to be responsible in doing the right things, the right reasons, with the right resources. He brings them to bear, and all that is being put to use in the the vision that God has given us. We want to be faithful in stewarding it, and I just want to say thank you for your willingness to to partner with us and to sacrificially give to see our cities transformed, to see lives transformed. The, the, The lives we're seeing baptized this weekend are direct expression of the fruit that comes out of the faithfulness that you brought to bear in some of this, and that's worth celebrating. And it's worth it. It's, it's totally worth it. Now, I want to let you know something. We're totally committed to making it really simple to talk to God and do what He says. So I want to let you know, starting this weekend, there are two new expressions or two new ways to give that are really easy to access. One is online and one is by text giving. We're doing it through a, a platform called give, uh, Give.Church. And so you're able to go online and go through the portal there, or you can actually text this number and give straight to us, to Heritage Church, out of your tithes, out of the offerings, whatever God asks you to do. You can, have, you can, you can grab your phone right now, type in that number and text. It'll ask you for an initial uh, registration, one time only, and then every time forward after that is just a simple text to give. If you text give, the word give, to this number, it'll get you in the system of being able to do that. There are three ways people can, that we as a family can give in faithfulness. One is online in the portal. This is a new reality in texting. And the other is through the offering envelope that's available to you right where you sit. I want to say thank you for the ways that you've done that. But now you can do it in service. You can do it at home. You can do it on the go. Just don't do it in the car while you're driving. (laughs) Not worth it. Not worth it. All right. When, When you participate with us in this, and this stuff's safe, it's secure, it's like, High-end banking security stuff. We're I mean, we're able to chase the things of God faithfully. And I say thank you for your willingness to do that. Encourage you to lean in as God will lead you to do that. If you're someone who's been using our previous platform online, we're gonna have that available for another month. But over the next few four or five weeks, I encourage you to transition into the new platform that is available online right now and set up the details as you go through. It's actually really simple, it's clean, it's good. And I'm excited about how we're positioned to serve each other better and serve you in this way. Now, let me just say something about all this. We are as a church truly want more for people than from people. Truly want that, truly believe that. And if you find yourself in a situation where you're not financially positioned to step into putting your resources where God asks the resources to go, you've gotten yourself into a financial situation that you're just upside down, or maybe you just want to get better at managing those, I encourage you to step into one of the class opportunities, specifically Financial Peace University. We have those classes coming up March 4th at the Bettendorf campus and March 6th at the Rock Island campus. Financial Peace University, you can sign up online, you can just email the church office, get involved and and start to position yourself so that when God says, here's what I want you to do, this is the right thing with the right reasons, with the right resources, you're ready to do that. And Financial Peace University positions us to be able to live that out. All right, here we go. Let's go to so what, and we'll wrap things up. If we are created by God and for God, then how we spend our time matters. And how we spend our time matters, then, then ultimately what we do with our talents matters. And if what we do with our talents matters, then where we put our treasure matters. And what Jesus did in his interaction with the rich young man was invite him to exactly that. He invited him into, look, if you handle your time, talent, and treasure the way I say, and you follow me, you can have the life you're asking about. Not not saved by stuff, and not saved by doing things, but saved by focusing on the one who was the answer to the question in the first place, following Jesus. His life could have been completely different, but instead he walked away sad. And living a life that is worth it, is an, is a, is an, always involves an ongoing process of managing time, talent, and treasure, as Jesus says. But in order to do that, that requires one other thing. It requires faith. So the final fill-in for today is stewarding time, talent, and treasure requires faith. Scripture defines faith as being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. Living a life that is worth it requires that. Cause we don't always know the details. We can't see everything that is down the road and God does not show us every detail. So it requires faith to manage time, talent and treasures. But in that dynamic, it's not about rules as that rich young man was leaning into and processing. It was about relationship. Right things with the right reasons with the right resources and a willingness to live for Jesus, to declare that he is Lord in how we manage time, talent, and treasure, to ultimately It's really what the baptism candidates are doing this weekend is declaring that they live for Jesus. They no longer live for themselves and they live by faith in that. That's what we're witnessing as people step into the waters of baptism. They're living out the words of Paul when Paul wrote this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by what? Faith. The life I lived, the the worth it life I'm trying to live is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It is by faith that we live a life that is worth it. Living a life that's worth it requires that element of faith, confidence in what we hope for, and certainty about what we do not yet see. So here's the question, when it comes to time, talent, and treasure, when it comes to issues of faith, what do you ultimately need to start or stop to live a life that's worth it? In in your personal journey, in order to live a life that's worth it, what do you need to start or stop? What, What worth it thing do you need to start doing? Or what thing that is not worth it you need to stop? That unhealthy relationship, worry or fear. When it comes to the issue of your time, Where are you investing your time in places and spaces that lead your heart somewhere else and you need to stop that thing because it's not worth it? And where do you need to start investing your heart and attention in pursuit of Jesus? One of the things I want to again remind you to do is to to grab a hold of the Lenten devotional. This is an in-house document we created that'll lead us from March 1st all the way to Easter. Grab it out in the lobby at your campus or download it online. This is one way to take our time And invest in the the right things with the right reasons, with the right resources. And and to chase and pursue Him, we're we're starting to use our time very intentionally. Encourage you to consider doing that. When it comes to your talents, listen, you have people in your life that nobody else can connect to like you can. What do you need to start or stop in that relationship so that it's worth it? Where do where can you bless? Where can you encourage? There are people that God has positioned around you that no one else can impact. You have a gift, you have a talent, and an ability that uniquely positions you to make that dynamic worth it, to position them to understand they're worth it. What do you need to start or stop to allow that to happen? And then ultimately when it comes to the treasure dynamic, God's very clear about what he says about first fruits and tithes and all that. What do you need to start? What do you need to stop? To live a life that's worth it in areas of treasure. Whatever that is, my prayer is that this week you would have the courage the boldness to step in full faithfulness and watch what God does. He says, do what I say and then watch what I do. And he does things that cannot be explained apart from his hand. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we continue to worship in song and even through the course of our weekend, witness baptism, I wanna say thank you for your faithfulness to us. I wanna say thank you, Father, for... Creating us with purpose, that loving us enough to chase us and pursue us through your Son Jesus. I pray that we would honor that sacrifice, that we would make that worth it in the sense that we would receive all that He has, and that we would live as a people intentionally with time, talent, and treasure, that we would spend and invest and place those things where they can honor you, not for us, but for your glory, Lord. And in order to do that, may we have the wisdom and insight and courage to know what to start and what to stop to ultimately live a life that you look at and say, that's worth it. So we love you, Lord. Pray that you continue to speak and lead as we process this conversation, as we lean into the rest of this day and what is ahead for us, Lord. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said.